Today is Wednesday, February 22nd. The title for our devotional is Unity in Christ. Yesterday, we saw that the unity of the church is grounded in the Trinity, the very nature of God. And also, it's meant to reflect the unity of the Trinity in some way. Today, let's explore the method of unity that Jesus prays for. Last week, we saw Paul giving us the method of those who are in a position of privilege exercising their freedom to lay down their privileges for the benefit of those with less. Today, we see another method, which is connected, but more spiritual in nature. John 17, 20-26, again we read, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me before you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and you will continue and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Now, as we read this, uh, there's a lot of me and you and I and you and you and me, and it, it gets a little bit confusing, right, when you just read through it together. But I invite you to read through it slow, and I'm going to help you kind of unpack it and kind of work through it throughout the week in each day's devotional. Because what John says here is really profound. It's in simple language, but it's quite profound. So before we go any further, though, with this text and start unpacking it, let's just pause and think about the fact that this is what Jesus chooses to pray for. The unity of the church beyond the time of the apostles was really important to Jesus. So much so that he chooses to pray for it on the night that he's going to be betrayed and put to death the following day. This is the last meal he'll share with his disciples, and this is what he chooses to pray for to give them some of his most important teachings in this meal. Again, this is the night before he dies, so this is some of his most important teachings. And he chooses to pray for the unity of the church beyond just the apostles. This unity we are to experience in the church is found in connection to Christ himself. We often speak of Christ as our mediator and usually perceive of his mediation only through the lens of his atoning death on the cross. This, of course, is absolutely true and essential in the Christian life and faith. But we often think of it only as something accomplished in the past without its continuing effects. According to this text, then, the continuing effects of abiding in Christ, as Jesus says in John 15, are unity with Christ and unity with the church. Note again in verse 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And again in verse 23, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. So, this unity is attained by us abiding in Christ, dwelling in Christ, remaining in the one who attained it for us. Jesus, as our mediator, has united us to the Godhead, so he is our source of unity to God and also one to another. On this text, D.A. Carson writes, unity is not achieved by hunting enthusiastically for the lowest common theological denominator, but by common adherence to the apostolic gospel by love that is joyfully self-sacrificing. Those are important words. Love that is joyfully self-sacrificing. By undaunted commitment to the shared goals of the mission with which Jesus' followers have been charged. 
by self-conscious dependence on God himself for life and fruitfulness. End quote. As our identity becomes more and more interwoven with Christ, as we contemplate the gospel and sacrificial love of Christ, as we rest in the peace that Christ has brought us to God, our desire for unity one to another will increase. Not only will our desire increase, but we will unify around Christ, the gospel and mission of the church that we have in our commonality as a community. All groups need something to unite around. Christ is ours. Note as well that God's goal for the church isn't partial, half-hearted, a facade of unity, but a complete, whole unity, as he says in verse 23. This is the goal for the church, and no matter how far away it seems, it is always worth pursuing. Reflection time today. Remember, Jesus is our source for unity. So confess with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. It is only through this transformation in Jesus that we will experience any form of unity in the church. Remember, in communion, we are actively remembering that we need Jesus for spiritual nourishment like we need bread and drink for physical nourishment. Picture yourself attached to Christ for support, for nourishment, like a branch is to the trunk of a tree.